The fans came out in record numbers that night, from fervent true believers to dedicated big game collectors to curious dilettantes. It was one of those peak occasions in American sports in which the gravity of the event dominates the zeitgeist, momentarily transcending everything else going on in the world. As with any long-awaited showdown, the most loyal advocates on each side of the rivalry had gone a bit crazy with the waiting. They arrived in all their brightly colored regalia, cheer buttons, t-shirts, and the inevitable homemade signs. All the trappings were present, Network television trucks in the parking lot, a collegiate marching band striding the field in a bustling pre-game revelry, VIPs at every turn. Though the event was absurd on its face, like so much else that happened during the decade, it seemed urgent, necessary, and altogether logical in the moment. On Thursday, September 20th, 1973, in the midst of the widespread misery of an oil crisis and a mounting Watergate investigation that threatened Richard Nixon's presidency, more than 45 million Americans gathered around their TV sets to witness the most talked-about sports event of the year. It wasn't a football game, or a boxing match, or the final of a major tournament. It was a made-for-TV event a reputed $100,000 winner-take-all challenge match between the top-ranked women's tennis player in the world, the 29-year-old Billie Jean King, and the 55-year-old former Wimbledon men's champion, Bobby Riggs. The crowd that night at the Astrodome in Houston was the largest in history to attend a tennis match, with a record American TV audience for the sport looking on. Billed as the battle of the sexes or the liber versus the lobber, it was also a contest between two visions of what sports should be, and by extension, two visions of what America should be. As both a sports event and a cultural flashpoint, it was an occasion that would have been inconceivable a decade earlier, or a decade later. Yet it was consistent with the sensibilities and tone of the era, which is to say that the combatants were carried into the arena by costumed handlers like floats in a Mardi Gras parade. The tennis hustler Riggs was transported to the court on a rickshaw, borne by a harem of short-skirted beauties, Bobby's bosom buddies, each wearing a gold T-shirt with the Sugar Daddy candy bar logo, an early sign of the corporate branding that would overrun sports in the coming decades. The defending Wimbledon women's champion King was brought to the court on a palanquin, replete with a rooster tail of faux-feathered plumage in the back, carried by a group of bare-chested men posing as Roman soldiers, rumored to be members of the Rice University swim team. Riggs and King were perfect foils, diametrically opposed in all ways, from their gender to their politics to their eyewear. Riggs, slight, flabby, slouching into middle age, sporting the standard-issue World War II-era black horn-rimmed glasses, already a vestige of the past, a huckster who'd been playing the con so well and for so long that he occasionally forgot it was a con. Then King, at once strong and feminine, resplendent in a sequined multicolor tennis dress, in menthol green and sky blue, created by the tennis devotee designer Ted Tinling, sporting blue suede tennis shoes peering out from behind ochrant oval wire-rimmed glasses, compact, focused, and deceptively strong.